good morning, church. Good morning. Wonderful, isn't it? Look, I just want to um, just repeat what um, Steve just said. It is nothing stops us from worshipping our God. Nothing stops us from lifting up his name and exalting him. Yes, in our lounge rooms and yes, in our cars and yes, as we walk down by the beach and wherever it may be. You know, no matter where it is, you know, no matter who's around us, no matter what our life is saying, no matter what our circumstances may be speaking to us, our God is worthy to be praised because his promises truly are yes and amen. And he truly is the deliverer of our souls. And he truly is the one who brings us victory. Isn't he our strong tower? Isn't he the one that enables us to stand no matter where, when or how? Isn't he the one who has brought into our lives the hope of glory, a destiny that cannot be taken away from us? Yes, we praise him. Yes, we honor him. Yes, we surrender our lives to him. And each and every day, he's going to do something incredible in you, child of God. And we need to hang on to that and know that every moment and every day of our life. Wonderful. That's Marco, by the way. Hi, Marco. He says, wonderful. I can't do it in his accent, but I, I love, I love, these are the things I miss, you know. Marco walking into the church in his bright orange shoes and his multicolored shirts and just throwing his arms around me and going, wonderful, Chris, Wonderful. I miss seeing Jim standing up before us in his, in his nice high-pitched squeal telling us to praise the Lord. You know, I missed so many things, but the truth is, as Steve said, it doesn't matter where we are, we continue to praise the Lord, don't we? Um, let's begin this morning. Sorry, we already have, I know, but let us, let us come before him, let us bow our hearts, let us... Let us consider that maybe God wants to speak to our hearts this morning and know that, in fact, that that is truth. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you bow your hearts before him? Father in heaven, we praise you. We want to honour you for your goodness to us, your faithfulness to us. We've sung about it this morning. We've declared it from our hearts. And Lord, I just pray, Father God, you would just reinstill or just solidify that reality that you love us so much that you are doing such great things such wonderful things Lord God and that you are always the answer and so Lord in our fellowship now we want to pray for those that uh, Lord are maybe hanging on to you maybe even tighter than they ever have in their lives because they know that you are the answer for their situation right now and so, Lord, we pray for Wendy and for Warren. We pray for Max and his family. We pray, Lord God, for Magdalena and her family. And we pray for anybody else, Lord, that you would just, Father God, in their situations, in our situations, you, Father, would bring your absolute confidence the wonder of knowing that we are in your hands and you have a plan and you are the power of life, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord God, that your life would just be so strong within these people, Father, within us all. Thank you, Father, for them. 
Thank you for touching their lives. Thank you for touching their physical bodies. Thank you for being their God, their saviour, their healer, your deli- their deliverer. Lord God, their strength, their restoration. Thank you, Lord God, for being their answer in every moment of their day. Thank you for speaking to their hearts of peace and strength and resilience, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for just comforting them and telling them, Lord God, that you have all things in your hands. Thank you in Jesus' name for the peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you, precious God, that you would lift these precious saints up into that place of absolute rest in you as you work as only you can. Thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, family, we have in these uh, last few weeks, we started a series called To Live Again. And we've been talking about personal revival. And as I've said to you each week, I think in the opening, uh, in the opening words is that revival means to live again. It's that, uh, it's that spiritual consciousness of knowing that our God indeed is with us. You know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to ask you just to hold your seat for maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe three minutes because I have to grab my Bible. Excuse me. Welcome to church, everyone. Uh, this is Chris at his, at his most organised, it is. Um, if you open in your Bibles and if you turn with me to 1 John 1 9, that, that would be precious. <laughs> Again, personal revival, that's where we started. I have a quote I want to start with. Uh, as I said, we, we look at this each week and we know and we're longing for this revival life to be within our lives, at least uh, that is my heart. And I love this this word that simply means to live again. Because, you know, a lot of people say, and a lot of people talk about revival, and they say it's all about power, it's about power, it's about power. Well, certainly it is powerful, but the reality, it's life. It's the very life of God at work within the child of God. This word revival, this truth of revival, I believe, is essential to the church of Jesus Christ. Let me read to you um, some words of R.A. Torrey. He said, Revival is a time of quickening, of impartation of life. As God alone can give life, a revival is a time when God visits his people and by the power of his spirit imparts new life to them. And through them imparts life to sinners dead in trespasses and sin. We can have religious excitements gotten up by the cunning methods and hypnotic and hypnop can't say that word and hypnotic can't say that word influence of mere professional evangelism. He says, but these are not revival. These are not needed. 
Revival is new life from God. You know, I don't know if I've said this to you before, I'm sure I have, but I so much want revival in my life. I so much want revival in our church. I so much want to see God's family live again by the power of God's Spirit. I'm not looking towards the machine of Christianity. I'm not looking to try and generate anything in and of myself. I am longing for the quickening of the impartation of the visitation of our great God and Saviour to come upon his people and to make them live again. That's what I long for. That's what I long for in myself. That's what I long for in all of you, no matter where you are. I hear the likes of Torrey, as I've quoted, you know, describing revival in times past. And I long to see Christians live again, to turn from worldly pursuits. I long to see believers separating themselves unto Jesus Christ. I'm longing to see Christians praying with absolute zeal, not because they feel that it's a duty, but because they cannot satisfy the hunger to be in the presence of their king. I'm longing to find myself in the place again that I hear Tori speak of, knowing that God answers prayer, therefore I besiege the throne of grace day and night. Oh, that would be me. Oh, that would be us. I'm longing to see Christians on their mission to see the lost saved, to see us not simply fellowshipping to enjoy the blessing of gathering, but to see souls brought into the kingdom of God, to see our constant conversation unashamedly about Jesus Christ's salvation, the promise of heaven and the reality that hell can be avoided. I'm longing for Christians to rejoice in the joy of what Christ's love is doing in And through and all around them, I long to see the word of God being devoured, feasted upon with an unquenchable appetite for spiritual truth. New, young, old believers, all loving, all discovering the heart of their God through the power of his word, by the power of his spirit revealed in the scriptures as God opens up just how much he loves his people. I long to see us live again. I long for it. I long for it because I I see a church that needs to wake up. I I see a church that needs to wake up and live. A, A church that is losing its faith in the life giving word of God, losing its faith in the Bible. A church where Genesis is nothing more than the writings of folk tales and ancient fables, where the miracles of Jesus are turned into analogies and a question where prayer is reduced to nothing but an SOS in desperate times and conversion is becoming nothing more than a cultural experience treated like club membership. Sin, repentance, hell, so rarely mentioned. Worldliness is rampant. 
Christians are mingling in with and becoming amused by godless forms of entertainment. And Sunday, Sunday is fast becoming a day that is occupied with worldly pleasures rather than the body of Christ, the believers in Jesus Christ, gathering together to offer up a sacrifice of worship and praise for the one who gave his life for them. And when so many do, and when they do gather, they don't want to hear a preacher talking like this. I long to see the church alive. I long to see Chris alive. And each and every one of you, no matter where you may be, experiencing a personal revival that will become infectious and spread throughout your community to see the souls of people won into the kingdom of God. I long to see us live again. You know, I read... um, hypothetical discussion between a a church fellowship and their pastor that speaks about the church's need for revival. It went something like this. It said, Pastor, don't give us the unleavened bread of God's word, but tell us something new. Tell us some new truth. Tell us something that is going to sound sweet to our already dulled hearing. Don't give us the meat of God's word. Give us some more milk. Give us some more bread. But no, pastor, please don't send us home with that heavy stuff that's going to convict us of our sinful lives. Don't teach us about hell or repentance or Jesus calling all of his followers to be his disciples. Please, pastor, please, pastor, tell us, just tell us that God loves us and that he has a wonderful plan for our lives. Please tell us peace, peace, even if there is no peace. Tell us, pastor, that everything is going to be just fine And that God understands just how hard it is to live life in this world. Please, pastor, tell us it's okay. Tell us just a little bit of sin really doesn't matter, pastor. Because after all, everybody out there is doing it. Please, please, don't quote those hard scriptures. Please, pastor, be nice to us just like the other churches in our town. Please, pastor. Please, don't make us feel guilty about not praying or not witnessing or not giving. Pastor, you need to leave those things with the Lord. Tell us, Pastor, how God loves us unconditionally and how he doesn't love anyone above another. Please, Pastor, please tell us these things or else... We will go where someone will. You know what I long for? I long for revival. You know what I long to hear? I read that, and honestly, Christians, I read that, and, you know, I I introduce it simply as a hypothetical discussion, but I wonder. I wonder how far from the truth such a discussion really is. I long for revival. I long to hear Christians say, Pastor, we charge you. This is what I want to hear. 
We charge you, therefore, be God. Be, sorry, we charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and His appearing and His kingdom. Pastor, preach the word. Preach in season and out of season. Convince us, Pastor. Rebuke us, Pastor. Exhort us, Pastor, with all long suffering and teaching, for the time has come. And no one out there is enduring sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they are heaping up for themselves teachers pastor please pastor they are turning their ears away from the truth and they're turning to fables but pastor you be watchful in all things You, pastor, you endure affliction. You do the work of evangelists. Pastor, fulfill your ministry. I want to hear that from you. I want that to be the cry of your heart because that is a believer that wants to live. That's a believer that wants revival. They want to be revitalized. You know what? They also know it comes at a price. They're not only willing, but they are looking to be brought under the conviction of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of God's word. And you know why? You know why? It's because they are completely dissatisfied with the complacent status quo of so-called spirituality that produces no life. No living for Christ. They're finished with careless living. They're finished with a shallow, superficial faith that has no influence in their lives beyond the four walls of their church. They are ready and they are willing to exchange a self-indulgent, satisfy-me church with a denying of themselves to become a soul-saving Christian. Soul-saving Christianity. You see, we need to understand... That revival is not simply us sitting around waiting for heaven's visitation to fall upon us in power. No, it comes when God's people earnestly want it. When God's people earnestly want revival and I've got to say it again, are willing to pay the price. And that's what we've been doing in these last few weeks. We spent the last couple of weeks looking at what that price is. So we asked the question, what do we do? What do we do? And we found ourselves in that familiar verse from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I've got to read it again. When the Lord said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. And we've realised that the first need is to acknowledge whose people we really are. We need to decide that we, excuse me, I had a bottle of water, but someone kicked it off the stage. I've got it. 
You remember that, don't you? Excuse me, but we do, we really do, we need to decide that we are the people of the God of the Bible, who is the God of truth. The same God who created the heavens and the earth. The same God who revealed himself to us so that we might know him personally through his son, Jesus Christ. And that he would guide us into all truth. And that he would sanctify us by his truth. And he has given us his truth to live by. And we need to decide whether or not we are the people of God, the people of the God of the Bible. We need to decide whether we are the people of truth. And let me say it again. If we are going to live again in spiritual revival, then the first thing is we need to acknowledge in our own hearts and before our God and even before this world around us just whose people we are. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God, the God of absolute truth. And preparation for revival starts in His presence it can't start anywhere else. You, me, we need to be people of prayer. People whose lives are sustained by our Father in heaven through constant communion with him. Not a religious duty as we say each week. No, but a way of life. And you know what? If that sounds shocking to you, or if that even sounds fanatical to you in any way, and that only, does, that only reveals or identifies the need for revival. Because, my friend, what I just described is normal Christian life. Living in the conscious awareness of the God who is never not present. So Paul says, in light of that awareness he says pray continually for this is the will of God in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16 Peter urges believers to be clear minded and self controlled so that they can pray in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7 James declares that prayer is powerful and effective in James chapter 5, verse 16. And John assures us that God hears us and that God answers us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 15. It's normal Christianity, people. It's normal Christian life. And oh, that we would humble ourselves before him and acknowledge our complete dependency upon him to be people who earnestly, wholeheartedly desire his presence, his purpose and his blessing upon every part of our lives. And in particular, that we would be crying out for revival. That we would always be praying for a fresh infusion of divine life for both ourselves and our brothers and sisters. It's normal Christianity, folks. And you and I, we need to get there. It's who we need to be. 
We hear it. We hear it throughout the Psalms. Psalm 80 as example. We hear the psalmist cry out. This is verse 1. He says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. You who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are between the cherubim. Shine forth. Don't you love that? Shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God, he says in verse 3. In verse 7 again, restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. And in verse 17, let your hands be upon the man of your right hand, upon the son of a man who you made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn back from you. Revive us and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. That's a cry for revival. We hear it throughout the, throughout the psalmist. We hear it so often in the, in the history of the children of God who so often find themselves so far away from God's purposes, so, so, in, so completely and totally in control of the things of this world, so buried under their own selfishness, and suddenly they lift their heads and they cry out, God, save us. God, lift us. God, bring life. And he does. He always does. We hear it in the prayers of such men as, as Leonard Ravenhill. He said this, Is life's span so dear and a home comfort so engrossing as to be purchased with my unfaithfulness and dry-eyed prayerlessness at the final bar of God shall the perishing millions accuse me of materialism coated with a few scripture verses. Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what, other, what, what courses others may take, but as for me, give me revival in my soul, in my church, in my nation, or give me death, he cried out. This is normal Christianity. And if we make it our Christianity, we will find that God will begin his revealing work. You know where? By first revealing the secret sins of my heart. That's where he begins. And we've got to understand that. Sins that we may, and as I speak to you today, that we may all be happily tolerating in our lives, even right now. And the question is, as we asked last week, when God begins this work, are we willing to listen? To then listen, but to then go even deeper and cry out to God as the psalmist again said at Psalm 139 verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the paths, in the way of everlasting. If you want revival life, God is going to ask it of you. He's going to ask you, are you willing? Are you willing to have your life examined by the holy God, creator of heaven and earth? Are you willing to ask him, search 
you? Are you willing to ask him to know your heart, to try you, to expose any wickedness in you? Because you want to be led in the ways of everlasting. And if you are willing, then God will have you respond. He would have you confess Repent of your sins. He would bring you to the place where we are this morning. And that is what our message is all about. When God reveals our sin to you, then we must confess it. Because without confession, brothers and sisters, there can be no, no revival. And let me tell you something. God won't give up on you easily either. Because he wants you to live again. He wants me to live in revival life. And he will bring us back to that thing, that sin that we might be tolerating even now. I love Spurgeon. Spurgeon was preaching on repentance week after week after week. And someone came to him and said to him, Pastor, Pastor, when are you going to stop preaching on repentance? Spurgeon looked at him and simply said, when you repent. See, God reveals your sin to you because he wants a response. He wants you to confess, repent and accept his forgiveness so that you can get on with it. So that you can get on with becoming all that God wants you to be. And so 1 John 1, 9, that verse that we all know so well, it simply says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So to confess your sin, what does it mean? It means that you agree with God about it. See, as you seek him, as you give yourself to life of dependent communion with him, as you invite him to search your heart and to show you what's really there, God's going to show you and he's going to say to you, this is sin. He's going to say to you, this is destructive. He's going to say to you, this hinders you. This hinders what I want to do in you and through you. And I don't want it in your life. You know what that is? That's conviction. And now you need to respond. You need to respond to that conviction. You either agree with God or you don't agree with God. And as I said, he'll keep coming back. He'll keep bringing it to you. But if you continue to disagree with God, then the day will come when he will dust off his feet and he will go find someone that will listen to him. And he will bring revival life through them and he will change the world through them. And that's why the prayer of this church has always been, Father, don't pass us by. Don't pass us by, Lord God. Do what you have to do in us. He looks for people who genuinely want to be restored, revitalized. So if you do agree, if he reveals the secrets of your sinful heart, and I know, and I know no one likes to hear that, 
But he does and he will. And if you will agree with him and you will say to him, yes, my Lord, it is sin. Yes, I know just how destructive it is. I know it hinders me. I know it hinders me from being everything that you want me to be. I know it does and I don't want it in my life anymore. And if I agree with God, if I don't make any excuses, if I don't find any justifications, if I don't blame anybody else, if I own it as my own responsibility, blaming no one else, and I come to God seeking his forgiveness, then guess what? He is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As far as God is concerned, that thing no longer exists and you can get on with being a part of the kingdom of God. Now, at this point, it's important that you understand something. When you became a Christian, when you realized that your heart was sinful and you could do nothing to change it, when you realized that you needed forgiveness and you saw the righteousness in Jesus Christ that you were longing for in your own life, And you realized you had to have him. And you saw the forgiveness he offered. And you accepted that forgiveness. And you made him Lord of your life. You made him Savior of your soul. You believed in the power of his sacrifice to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And in that moment when you surrendered to him, he made you perfectly righteous through the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. His blood has washed you clean and you became a child of God. That's called getting saved. That's called entering into the everlasting, eternal kingdom of God. That's becoming a part of the family of God with a hope and a destiny in heaven in the presence of your Savior, Jesus Christ. That's called being a Christian. But what's important to understand is that the confession of sin that we speak of here is not about our salvation experience. No, it's because you're a child of God. It's because you are desiring to be in intimate fellowship and constant communion with your God in heaven. It's because you want nothing to hinder your relationship with him. It's because you want nothing to come between you and the lover of your soul. Every spiritual revival, please hear this this morning, every spiritual revival either bursts into life or it dies right at this pace. Right at this point, all your prayer, all your agonizing to see God move, it all counts for nothing if you will not confess what he reveals to you as sin. If you won't agree, says the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity within my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 66 and verse 18. So let me simply ask you this morning, what if God says to you, what if God says to you, but you're not always honest? What if he says you're not always truthful in all things? What if he says, hey, there's still habits in your life that you're ashamed of, that you don't want your brothers and sisters in Christ to know about? 
What if God says to you, your speech is not always clean? It's, you're not always gracious. And you find it easy to speak about other people. What if God says to you, your mind wanders to places that it shouldn't? What if God says to you, you spend too much time brooding? What if God says to you, you are holding grudges? What if God says, hey, you are just a little harsh when people disagree with you? What if God says, sometimes you are more concerned about what they think about you than what I think about you? What if God says, that person's not good for you? What if, what if, whatever? Because I promise you, if you seek him with this earnest desire, if you invite him to search your heart, He's going to shine the light of his conviction upon your heart because he doesn't want to leave you in that state. And you can answer evasively or you can answer him honestly. Yes, I do. And I don't like it. I don't want it. You are right, Lord. Forgive me. You say, Chris, you say, Chris, you're being a little picky here. Look, we're all humans. And we all make those kinds of mistakes every single day. Yes, we do. And they're all sin. Every one of them. Let me close with two quotes. Revival will always vitalize God's people. But revival is not always welcome. For many, the price is too high. There is no cheap grace in revival. It entails the repudiation of self-satisfied complacency. Revival turns careless living into vital concern. It exchanges self-indulgence for self-denial. Your revival is not a miraculous visitation falling on an unprepared people like a bolt out of the blue. It comes when God's people earnestly want revival and they're willing to pay the price. Price is confession, people. You know what? If we do this... If we allow God to have his way within our lives, and as you've heard Steve say this morning, oh, how wonderful it would be when we're in this place lifting our hands before our God. Wonderful to know that God's presence is with us. Powerful to hear, see that he is changing lives, that he is becoming infectious, not only in our midst, but in the midst of those all around us. And we are beginning to see people saved. How wonderful would be to hear this cry, this cry that was cried out years and years ago. And it simply said, I heard them cry out to God about their lukewarmness and their stale Christianity, confessing their sins and wanting desperately to get right with God it seems that everyone in the sanctuary desired a renewed relationship with their Lord Jesus Christ that's what I want for me that's what I want for you
It's what I want for the body of Christ. You know how I can say that? Because I know that's what God wants for all of us. To make us live again. Will you bow your hearts with me? Father, arouse us to our duty. Call us, Lord God, into your very presence. Precious Jesus, precious Jesus, become our all in all. Lord, may we see you, Lord God, in all your beauty, that we might desire nothing more than simply to be with you, simply to know that you are with us, simply to know that you have so much for us to be busy about. Lord, may, Lord God, we give our hearts to you. We pray, Lord God, that we would open our hearts to the, to the light of your conviction, Lord God, that we long, because we long, Father, to be in that place where you can just, you can just speak to our hearts and we can hear your voice and we can move in the power of your spirit. And we can see great things happen in the kingdom of God. Lord in heaven, that we would see our family saved. Lord in heaven, that we would see our church, Lord, revitalized. Lord in heaven, that we would see our community lifted from its degradation. To know that God lives. To know that God reigns. To know that God sits upon the throne and that God has his way. Make us live again, Father, I pray. In Jesus' precious name. If you have prepared yourself for communion, would you lift the emblems before him and recognize that he's done this for you, that you might have a life everlasting. Lord, that, that, that you might let him, your saviour, live in you and through you, that you might know that his forgiveness is there, that you might know that he wants to, he wants to change you, to shape you into his image from glory unto glory. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, for what you have done for us. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Thank you for your shed blood. Thank you for your body. Thank you that it was broken for us. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you were lifted up, that you might draw all men unto yourself. Thank you, Lord, that you have saved us and set us apart for glorious things. Far beyond what we could imagine. So, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart, Lord God. Show me and lead me in the ways of everlasting. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Father, that you have forgiven us. Thank you, Lord, that you have saved us, redeemed us, called us, Lord God, into your family. Yes, Lord. Thank you that you are our saviour. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We take this bread and remind her that you are the bread of life that yes. we feast upon each and every day. We don't hunger for the things of this world, 
but we hunger and we thirst after righteousness. Live in us, Heavenly Father. Live through us, Heavenly Father. Let's take the bread together. Amen.